This is our New Year's edition of Sandcast. Happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the show for the first time in 2020. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and uh, our first guest of the new year is one of the greatest players um, of all time. We have, we're have we stoked to have in the house, Sinjin Smith. Good to be doing? here. Good to have you in here. Glad uh, you found the place. Yeah, Martin right. Can be a little troublesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Good to have you here. Uh, how are things? How's uh, normally it's how's off season, but you know you're not playing thirty tournaments a no. year anymore. No. <laughs> yeah, there really wasn't an off season, but yeah, now it's 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 kind of a bummer not to see you know tournaments going places right. you know to go and watch and play and the, you know the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it's for me. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm still involved in the sport. At a bunch of different levels, you know, with up and down the coast with camps and things and club on the beach. And and then also I'm involved in licensing. I don't know how much I told you before, but, you know, with King of the Beach and Queen of the Beach and King of the Court and Queen of the Court, the the company I work with, Miramar Brands, owns those brands. and, And I'm working to license those brands for various things. Cool. So so King of the Court, when the event was here. Mm. I licensed the name to them so they could use it uh, for oh, their awesome. events. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I remember oh. Hagen had mentioned kind of stuff similar to that, but I didn't really know what it yeah. meant really. Yeah. Cool. And so we're hoping they and we're hoping they come back. You know, they were all fired up. The the guys from Netherlands. They to, were all fired up. To, you know, hoping it would become a an Olympic sport. I I like the format, by the way. I I you know was a little skeptical at first, but when I went down to the event. And saw it. Very exciting, you know. Very fast paced. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get involved in a in a match and you see one team against another, and maybe it's not interesting to you. But here, you know, five teams. You're going to be interested in one of those teams at right. the very least, <laughs> if not just the game itself and how quick it goes and everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was really good. Do you think it uh, it would be like too hard to like follow or understand for kind of a casual? You're like, if someone saw it for the first time, yep. I feel like it'd be like wildly confusing. No, they pick a team. They see the scoreboard. Every team's up on the scoreboard. If you can see the scoreboard, okay. yeah. you can figure it yeah. out. Yeah, and, and you can follow the team. Oh, they're, gonna, they're serving now. Let's see if they win the rally. It's easy to see if they win the rally or not because they go to the other side. If they lose, they're yeah. back in line again. So I, I don't think it's that hard to follow. I mean, you, you can figure it out very quickly, even for a, a novice in the sport. I, yeah. I think... Again, I, I was pleasantly surprised, and, you know, I've, I've been around the sport a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, anything new, it's like, you know, oh, I don't know. But I, right. I, I was, I was, I thought it was good. Yeah, it says yeah. a lot. Yeah, where do you stand uh, on the side out versus rally scoring? I know that that's kind of a hard line in the sand sometimes. Um, it's weird when you play, you know, 20 years, uh, you know, you're the vast majority of your career uh, one way. And then it switches. But I understood why it happened. And, and, you know, you make an adjustment and then it's still volleyball. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you've got to teach yourself, you know, a little different. You know, in, in the old, old rules, you could kind of start slow and then catch up. Now you can't do that. You have to start out right out of the gate and you can't yeah. mess around. Mm-hmm. You give up a couple points and that could be the whole game. Yeah. 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 What was your, I'm sure you probably had some pretty big comebacks Inside out scoring. You know, it, it was. I, I don't remember specifically, but I, I knew this. If a team got to 
you know, in a game to 15, if they got to 14 before us, scoring that last point for that other team was really, really difficult. <laughs> really difficult. Because we were going to side out every single time, and then eventually we'd score. Yeah. So this is, this is Randy and I. Right. Yeah. Uh, or before that, it was Karch and I, but it was Randy and I for all those years. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was the same thing with Karch. And, you know, we played right out of UCLA uh, in 1979. He was a freshman. I was a senior. We won the NCAA championships. We went undefeated that year. And then we went right to the beach. And, uh, and you know, it was pretty easy playing with him. Yeah. You know, we did it for a few years. And and then we both went to the national team, and then I left the national team. He stayed on the national team, and uh, he had to miss some tournaments. So I was playing with different people, and then I ended up accidentally playing with Randy. And we had, you know, success right off the bat. First term we played in, we yeah. won. And uh, and that was okay for the rest of the season. Karch would come back. i go, Randy, I, I, I'm going to play with Karch. And he didn't like it, but he understood. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, he said, it, you play with me the whole time or I'm going to find somebody else. And it made sense because Karch could only play in a handful of events. So that's how Randy and I got together, and we stayed together from that point on. Yeah. You, wow. you, you said you kind of accidentally found Randy, but how does one accidentally find, like, a 6'5", like, ridiculous well, athlete? Like, I'm sure he had to have been... Well, he so was out players. there, and he was playing. He was playing with Fishburne at the time, who okay. was one of the best players. And we were competing against him, and really tough. They never won a tournament because we were there. Right. <laughs> and and then you know he was still playing with Fishburne when Karch went away, and I played with my brother. I played with uh, with a few other guys, and then Fishburne was gone for one tournament. And okay. Randy and I, well, you know, why don't, let's let's play. Right. Okay. So, so we played and did well. Tough one to miss, Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah really. it, was, it wasn't good for him. <laughs> <laughs> we um we had Mike uh, Dodd in uh, uh-huh. a couple weeks ago, um, and he was telling us about kind of just the weird relationship between you know, the beach guys. You mentioned that you were on the national team, left the national uh-huh. team. You mentioned just kind of the the strange relationship the beat the southern california beach guys had with you know doug beal and uh-huh. the midwest yeah great yeah. things to say about your passing <laughs> yeah hell yeah yeah <laughs> um, but well just to to elaborate on that I, I i mean most people don't know the four of us hob dodd randy and me were all on the national team at one point mm-hmm. and then at one point we were all off the national team <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we were all playing on the beach so and I, and there's a lot of stories related to that too when when they, I went to the national team in 1979 when it was back in Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio. And it was right after the, the tournament, you know, May 7th, got on a plane, took off and, and started training to go and try and qualify for 1980. And the whole time we were there, we were going, you know, this makes no sense to have the program back in Ohio. All the players right. are out in Southern California at that time. It's mm-hmm. different today, mm-hmm. but at that time, they were all out here. And nobody would go back there. It just so happens that Pat Powers, Dusty Dvorak, myself, Tim Hovland, uh, and some other guys, right after that season, indoor season, we went back to play on the national team. So we, we gave them a really good shot to qualify. And then, but, but along the way, you know, we go, this makes no sense to be back here. You know, why are we here? Right. You know, so eventually, right after the, the 80 Olympics, they moved the program out to San Diego. 
and you know, and then all the guys from Southern California, from all the you know, from Pepperdine, UCLA, USC, all the different colleges, all the guys would come and, and join the national team. And I, I just, you know, as a little aside, <laughs> we would we would train from eight to twelve in the morning, you know, with the team, and then uh, Karch and I would go down to the beach uh, at South Mission Beach. And we'd put on weight belts, and then we'd play volleyball, you know, all afternoon. With and then weight we, belts. <laughs> we, 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 we there were belts, belts at that okay. time, it, twelve pounders. But and then uh, so we play all afternoon, and then we come back and we lift weights, Whew. and we do that every day. And and we couldn't, <laughs> the coaches couldn't know, otherwise they'd freak out. But we couldn't get enough volleyball. I mean, it didn't matter indoor, outdoor. It didn't matter. We just wanted to play, okay. so it was pretty awesome. That I just I can't imagine because. Like so many people, do you laugh when a lot of the guys now, you know, play two hours a day and a couple, of, and then they're like, "Oh, I'm burned out." You know, um, when you guys were going. No, I, so I don't hard. laugh, but yeah, it, it doesn't. I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, we would play all day, every day. I mean, in in the seventies and, and early eighties, there weren't that many tournaments, so right. you know, seven days a week we'd be playing. If there was a tournament, it was you drive to it, mm-hmm. you play for two days. You come back and you start playing again on Monday all week long, all day long, and you get on center court. You 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 know you'd want to get on the the number one court, and you you'd play and win and stay on court all day long, all day, how eight many, hours how many or more. Players would come up and like challenge you guys. It seems uh-huh. so different than these days. Like I feel like no one would show up to challenge us if we yeah did that right. Different. I feel like it's a different environment because everyone like, has their set training yeah. courts. Yeah. Well, it's imagine so all those guys that set up matches if they all went to Sereno or Manhattan Beach. Right. All of them. Right. You know, or Santa Barbara. Right. You know, there, there'd be a group and there'd be people waiting to get on that center court. You would never... I mean, it, it, you were bummed out if you were, like, third in line to get on the court. Right. right. You'd try to get on the court, you know, and stay on the court all day long. And there, there was always the second court where you could play, but you mm-hmm. wanted to be on the first court. Mm-hmm. Right. So you compete all day long. Yeah, that's a lot different than nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like you set up practice to go yeah. compete with a specific you, team at a specific time. Yeah, and you play, you maybe, maybe you play two matches, right? In a, in a training session or maybe no matches. I don't know. We usually maybe, yeah, you'll drill and do like set drills, comp- competition drills, and then one match. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone plays two matches. Yeah. Well, you, you, you'd never last in one of our tournaments. In, in two days, there'd be over 64 teams in the bigger tournaments. Right. And, and it was two out of three. Oh, yeah. Old scoring. <laughs> Losers bracket was one to 15, old scoring. So, you know, <laughs> you were going to play a whole bunch of hours, yeah. a whole bunch of hours. Not, not, you know, I mean, you guys don't even play four matches in a day, right? The qualifiers you can, four. Yeah, yeah, you can, but in the regular tournament you wouldn't. They, right. I mean, unless I it rained or something happened, yeah. you'd have to push it in. <laughs> I mean, 64-team, <laughs> double <Sure>. elimination. <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you, you figure out how many games you would play, right? Yeah. And if you go into the losers, you you know it's one game to fifteen, but it's still gnarly. You're playing many more games. Yeah, I kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so different. And they didn't water the courts. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you know if you wore socks, you you know people kind of go. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <The> automatically <laughs> off court one. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it was it was a lot different. But yeah. it, but the changes to the game, I, I don't think hurt the game. I mean, you know, the smaller court, I, I think, is good for the game. Um, I played on the smaller court. And I knew it was harder to side out, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we wanted to accomplish when, right. when we, you know, made the rule, mm-hmm. is to make it more interesting for the fans. And, and ultimately, it's more interesting for the players, too, because they play more volleyball. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't put it away as easily, that means somebody on the other side is bringing it up or blocking it back or, you know, you have it's another chance hours. for the ball to go over the net. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what you want. You want to see the ball go over the net. Right. I mean, I made a living at having nobody touch the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, and, you know, I, I guess you get used to that as a fan and you expect to see it. But, you know, you're not bringing in new fans to watch, you know, a, a guy pass that hit. Mm-hmm put the ball away every single time and you're having to swing at the block like or really close to it to actually get a hit down so now you're going to see bigger blocks as well yeah yeah which is fine Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know how many players like to get blocked so you try to avoid the block right (laughs) right yeah so if you're a digger you go to the place where the blocker isn't blocking right right or you you track down balls that are shot I, i mean that's just what you do you know Bigger players, great. They still have to be able to pass and set. Right. Right? Totally. And, and great, they take away more area, but that means you should see more digs, too, right. or more blocks. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless the offensive guy just has no brains and just wants to <laughs> hit it hard into the block. Right, yeah. You know? <laughs> I love how one of my favorite things of, of when I like played with Hagen and you would kind of give advice when, like, Hagen like asked for it yeah. um, is how simple you made a lot of like how simple you made the game that it's really easy to overcomplicate I just remember we were playing um, I think Troy and Chase and you were like well this guy needs a huge approach like, so why don't you just short serve him every ball yeah. and that was like mind blowing to me <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's oh. it's funny I, short serves I think are one of the things that aren't uh, should be used way more than they are. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. wants the big serve, yeah. right? You know, and they're great. If you're feeling it, big serve, awesome. But if you want to take the guy out of their normal offense, give him a short serve. True. They move up a step or two, and then their approach is different. No matter what happens, their approach is going to be different. Mm-hmm. You, even if they're good at a one step and up, it's still going to be different than if it's three or four steps to come up and hit. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you, if you can change what they like to do normally you're going to have a better shot at picking balls up. Right. Did you, so, I mean, Dad coached um, Rosie and Jake for mm-hmm. a couple quads. Did you ever think about getting a team, or, or did you? I don't even know if you no. got into coaching like that. No, I, I, I mean, I, I would help guys if they asked, mm-hmm. but, you know, I didn't have the time to really right. stick with a team and train with them and then travel with them and do the whole thing. Yeah. But, I, but if anyone asked me, it didn't matter, I would say, yeah, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I'd yeah. watch them and give them a little input. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you still get out there every now and then? When I have to. You know, certain people ask me to play or there's a, an event of some sort, and I'll go out and do something. I try not to do anything more than just pass. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the jumping thing doesn't work anymore. And, yeah. and you know what happens when, when your brain remembers what your body used to be able to do? <laughs> you hurt that you, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we could jump into Hagen. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But you've been really heavily involved in the um, 
at Five VB. I mean the, mm-hmm. the game at every level, and you're still. I see you on tour every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of made you want to get into that side of things? Uh, um, when uh, <laughs> I'll take I'll take you back to the yeah. '80s. Well, I, your guys' generation is like seemed to be a lot more involved. Like the players were like really a part of the what happened in the tours, and like you guys ran the tour at one point. Yeah, I yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're gonna have to. Tell so, the, story. <laughs> uh, the on the international, well, we could start with 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 the professional side of the sport, okay, where yeah. it, we were playing up and down the coast, and there was no sponsors, nothing, and everything. Yeah, and then a promoter saw what was going on, and they put some money in, and 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 we had some professional events. We didn't have anything to do with that. And then you know, I'm trying to make it a shorter story because it could yeah, go yeah, forever. Yeah, for sure. um, and then Leonard Armato came to us and said, hey, you guys can own your sport. Uh, you guys, the players. And we're going, huh? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and he said, I'll help you do it. We'll form an organization and we'll, we'll have the sponsors deal directly with the organization and you know, so on and so forth. And, and we said, great. So he did that. He did it, he did it for us, basically. Uh-huh. And, and that was the start of the AVP. All right, we're going to pause here and take a quick second to acknowledge our lovely sponsors. Support for Sandcast from, comes from a new sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, which in beach volleyball, this is a well-groomed sport. You want to be looking good out there, which is why our code for 20% off is look good, play good. And you also want Manscaped because everyone knows or probably knows a guy who has had a trouble, uh, a troubling Manscaped story. I had uh, a buddy in my fraternity who used scissors down there, and it just doesn't work work all that well all the time and that's why you have manscaped here to help you out it's redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts you don't need that in your life trust me manscaping accents are finally a thing of the past try well and don't use the same trimmer on your faces you're using on your balls (laughs) that's just nasty Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're already using deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not using deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Go ahead and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LOOKGOODPLAYGOOD at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job, ladies and gentlemen. Your balls will thank you. So that is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code LOOKGOODPLAYGOOD today. Speaking of balls, Travis, Wilson just came out with a new ball. That's the new optics ball with the OPTX technology. It's definitely been my favorite ball since I was a kid. I used to play with Wilson back at the Outrigger Canoe Club, as everyone's heard many times over the podcast. And... uh Honestly, Wilson's the best ball in the world. If you talk to any of the athletes, the Americans, they all want to be playing with the Wilson. There's a reason that those are the balls you're seeing out on the beaches, whether it's California or Florida or somewhere in between. The Wilson ball is the go-to, and now there's a completely different look that is built to make you perform better, to see the ball better, but it's the same feel. So go to Wilson.com, get yourself a new ball, because if you don't have a new ball, then you're just... You're just that guy on the beach or girl. And use promo code WilsonSand to get your discount today. 
I'd like to take this moment to let all of you know about Firefly Recovery, something that I take on the road with me when I'm traveling. I usually use it on the plane because you know how your legs get all swollen when you're traveling across the world, is a way for us to recover faster with increased blood flow. There's these knee straps and they have these nerve stimulators on them and basically it helps you recover. And you'll see a lot of beach volleyball players wearing them and uh, you need to get yourself a pair today at fireflyrecovery.com. All right, everybody, now it's time for your Pacific Coast Wealth Management Olympic update. It's been quite a grind in this 2019 season, and the season is finally over, so we are officially in the off-season. The top American team is Taylor Crabb and Jake Gibb, and they're in the eighth spot in the world. Triborn, yours truly, and Trevor Crabb are in the 10th spot. Meanwhile, Philip Dahlhauser and Nick Lucena are in the 17th spot, still looking to fill two more finishes uh, to get there, 12. And then on the women's side, April Ross, as always, is in the second spot with Alex Kleinman. They've been dominating this year. But in the fifth spot, Carrie Walsh Jennings and Brooke Sweat. In the sixth spot, Sarah Sponsel and Kelly Clays. Yes, the American women are absolutely stacked. And in the seventh spot, Kelly Larson and Emily Stockman. It is going to be an insane qualification year in 2020. We're all looking forward to it. Hopefully, Born and Crab are there. Aloha. And now back to the show. And, uh, and, and you know, then we controlled kind of everything. Right. We went out and, you know, helped get new sponsors dealt with the television and I played a pretty good role with all of that. Right. And then, um, I was invited to play in Brazil in this international event in 1980, I think it was 86. And Pat Powers and I went down with, uh, Nina Matthews and Linda Handley. I love Nina Matthews. And, and we played two on two girls, two on two guys, and then four on four mixed against the Brazilian. Hmm. Against their indoor stars, their big time stars. Right. The, you know how Brazil is with yep. their indoor stars. Imagine there weren't any beach stars yet. Right, right. They were the indoor stars. So we play. It was a huge success. We played in two different cities in, in Rio and, and then in uh, somewhere else. And and the crowds were insane. The people were crazy. I, I don't know about so much about us, but at least for the indoor stars, right. and it, mm-hmm. we had to. We needed protection. Wow. I mean, it was it was gnarly. Mm-hmm. But it was such a huge success. The promoter of those events, who was a guy who went to USC, uh, it was a tennis player, Fernando Von Ortsen, he and I went to the FIVB and said, hey, let's do uh, an international, you know, event, you know, sanctioned by the FIVB, a world championship. So the next year, we did a world championships and then did that for several years I ended up playing with Randy in, in the in the next one, and we did we had a lot of success there, and and then that's how the the world tour started. It wow. started in Brazil, mm-hmm. few events in Brazil, and then Italy, and then different countries got involved, and more teams came from around the world. And the FIVB saw it, it, what was happening, and it was a good thing. And then uh, the president of the FIVB, Ruben Acosta was good friends with uh, Juan Antonio Samaranch from the IOC, the president. And, you know, he had this relationship, and and he would take me with him to talk to other IOC members. Mm-hmm. And 
and we had a um, an event alongside of the uh, uh, 92 Olympics in Barcelona, a beach event, mm. to showcase the sport for the IOC. And that's the event Randy and I were uh, sanctioned $70,000 by the AVP for going and playing in that event. No way. And we had promised beach. two years ahead of time to go to the event to, you know, to showcase beach volleyball for the IOC to try to get the sport into the Olympics. Seventy grand. Yeah. Well, we happen to win that amount of money. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) But, but, and they kept us from playing in the biggest events of the season, the Mm -hmm. AVP. And these are the same guys that were our opponents in every event Mm -hmm. were were sanctioning us. Right. Kind of weird thing, huh? That's really weird. So they kept us from playing in events. So events that we would win most of the time, we weren't there. But from, from that, the sport became an Olympic sport. And, yeah. and so it was all worthwhile in the end for us, for sure. you know, for them, they could care less, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And they, in fact, they said, no, it'll never be an Olympic sport. You know, you're, you're just, you know, blown in the wind, you right. know, and, you know, <laughs> so it became an Olympic sport. And it was awesome. Wow. Well, thank you. There's a lot more along the way yeah, that happened. Sure. That <laughs> if you want to dive into it another time, we can do that. We can have you on as much as you'll come. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, make notes and have the questions, and I, I can go, go, go. All right. What, um, so that, I mean, when you were pushing for or helping the FIVB kind of get beach internationally, yep. What was the main motivation? Because that was when the AVP was, you know, really on the up and up. And so, because, you know, like, you know, if you talk to Hav, he's mm-hmm. like, well, why would, you know, why would I go to Brazil to play an event against, you know, these indoor guys that can't play the beach when I could stay here? But he did. Money? He yeah. did. <laughs> 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 and, and he loves Brazil. I mean, it, it, when you have an opportunity to go play in another country, uh, you know, it's, how great is it? And those, even though at, in, in the mid-80s, the Brazilian indoor players weren't as seasoned on the beach as, as we were, they were still very competitive yeah. and, and tremendous volleyball athletes. Tremendous. So it's not like we went over there and, and it was a cakewalk, no, by no means. Right. But after a few years, you know, they were right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they were, you know, it took a little while, but then players started to play just on the beach. You know, they would, they would grow up playing indoors, but they would make the transition and play beach once there was a place to play. And then, you know, we were so good because we had a tour. We had a place to play and compete. Otherwise, we, you know, we'd be playing down at our local beach. But when you have that, that tour and you can make money and travel around and prepare for events, so you're playing a lot and competing, you have an advantage over any country that's not competing right. regularly. But Brazil very quickly figured it out, and they, they started a, a tour, a national tour. They're competing, and then more and more players developed, and then they became for you know, a while the best country in the world. Speaking of Brazilians, where does Jose Loyola fall into this story? <laughs> As a Brazilian or American? He's my coach now. <laughs> well, Brazilian, because he was like, from what I understand, it seems like he was like that young kid that just yeah. was like, let me take a crack at these Americans. Yeah. And I don't know where that fell in the timeline. Of For, he, he came a little later. Okay. Um, we didn't. I, we com, I think we competed a little bit with him internationally, not a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, but but interesting story, Emmanuel, who y- similar you know. time they came out. Yeah, well, right, together. So one of the in 
probably 89, somewhere around there, we would always go in our winter time in February, you know, for the big event. Right. And it's right in the middle of their summer, and they're all, you know, <laughs> they're in perfect shape, everything else. When we right. come over, we're completely white. <laughs> and we'll try and get a couple games in before we start the tournament the next day. And we go out, Randy and I, and, we, you know, you don't want to play against good teams, right? So they go oh, play against this kid and, and, and his partner, and it's, it's Emmanuel, and he's probably 17, maybe. Mm-hmm. He's skinny. As, he's skinny anyway, but yeah, imagine right, 17, right? right? Totally. This skinny kid. And after the first two plays, Randy and I look at each other and go, oh, no. <laughs> We're it. screwed. And we can't lose. Yeah, you know, you just you can't right. because we, you know, we were they'll blow it up. We were the kings of Rio, right? Right, and everybody expected us to come down and win, and then we're just messing around and here they throw this kid out against us and we can't lose. You just right. can't. Yeah, <laughs> and we we eventually won that game, but it was it was we everything we could do right. to compete and, mm-hmm. and and win, and <laughs> that was the day before, and it was just a, a warm up game. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where else, where was I going with that? It was Manuel and then Jose. Oh, so Manuel, he became, as you know, probably the greatest player, you know, in in our era. Yeah. Right. You know, with, with all his success in Brazil and internationally and in the Olympic Games. I mean, right. just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Incredible. He could probably compete at that level today. And I, I'm not sure why he, he retired, but he was tremendous. He seemed like he never got hurt. He just jumped effortlessly, well, yeah. and he had all the skills. He seemed like he was so light on the sand. Yeah. Like he was almost like tiptoeing around. Yeah. He'd jump yeah. and float. Yeah. Played a, like... Oh, so Loyola. We, yeah. we started yeah, Loyola. this with Loyola. So Loyola, you know, they played together, right? And they were really, really good. And, and that was kind of at the end of my career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Loyola was just, he was scary. I mean, he, he could jump. <laughs> Imagine Emmanuel and Loyola, two, two jumpers, <laughs> yeah. right? And they could do everything. It, it was, they were a scary, scary team. And, and jump serving as a jump serving team, too, ridiculous. Especially and, on that big court. A big court, a game to 15. Yeah. They would score, you know, at least half of their points on just the serve. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. I'm not sure how great that was either for the game, you know, and when you can win, <laughs> right. you know. I'm just ripping aces. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What was it that made you and Randy such a good team? Because when you look at it on paper, mm-hmm. you know, you have, I don't know how, how tall mm-hmm. are you, maybe 6'2"? Six, 6'3". Six, three. Six, three. He's, he, like six, he's maybe 6'5", okay. maybe. So like not like a huge... Team. Yeah, but he, he, was, at, a, he was a big 6'5". He's a huge yeah. dude. Big six five. I mean, he he jumped really well for someone his size, and he was he was, you know, he had played so much volleyball growing up, right? That you know he he had a sense for the game that not many people had, yeah. you know. And you know, of course, he had incredible hands. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time, probably the best hands on the beach. He could set any ball from anywhere and spin. You know, and it wasn't this. It was right. you know he, you know, he's get it out. Yeah, and uh, and. So he, we complimented each other very well. He was great at the net, and it was at the time when, when blocking was becoming more and more important for the game. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he could dig, but it was, he was better as a blocker. Yeah. So that, you know, freed me up in the backcourt to run around and do what I do. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, 
we figured out how to play together and how to use each of our strengths. And I, you know, at some point, you know, communication is so important, right? At some point, we didn't have to talk, right? Because I knew what he was going to do in, right. in just about every situation, and he knew what I was going to do. Yeah. You know, it's it was, you know, when you play long enough together with somebody, I mean, that's the beauty of it. You you're, you're not running into each other, mm-hmm. right? You know, you, yeah. you know where he's going to be, and you know where to go, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And if if beyond that, if you get in trouble, you know how to help right. the other person, or you know if. I get in trouble. I tell him he knows exactly what to do, and, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. You mentioned like blocking was was fairly new yep. at that point, or in terms of like its importance in mm-hmm. the game. Did you guys notice that your game and style together had to like evolve? Because you guys played together for so long, you must have had to kind of like evolve with the sport because it was transitioning. Like it when when quickly. we started playing together, blocking was. I can't remember when we started if you if you couldn't cross uh, over penetrate right. the the plane yet but it, it happened all pretty right, right around that time yeah. and you know even even if you went up to block and you couldn't penetrate you still took an area away yeah you know they still if they wanted to hit okay i'll line up the hit right and if they wanted you know to avoid the block then you're still running the ball down mm-hmm. um so yeah, it it didn't seem like we had to do anything special or yeah. different. It just was natural to right, do what right. we did, and and you know, yeah. We we tell a lot of the younger players or players on like we really emphasize like stick with a partner because yeah, all these small things that you're talking about, like yeah. Yeah. knowing where each other are going to go yeah. in those like quick instinctual moments where you can't communicate. Yeah. But like, a lot of people are like, oh, we lost two in a row. We're out. Yeah. Next partner. <laughs> yeah. We didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Must have been that guy's fault. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you, you have to have some element of success to stay with somebody. That's yeah. true. Yeah. You know, That's and and sometimes you can get better as a team and, and, and find that success if you stay with that person. Right. You know, but it, it, not that, you know, it happens all the time. But when, when Karch and I played together, the first time we played, we won. You know, mm-hmm. and you're, okay, this works. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And the same thing with Randy. We totally. won. So that worked. You yeah. know? It doesn't happen for everybody. But I, I've seen it happen with other teams, too, right. where, you know, accidentally teams come together and they normally don't play together. And then all of a sudden they have a, you know, tremendous success. And it's like, oh, Jesus. Right. I wonder why we didn't do this before. And, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. So That's true. Yeah. Hey, it's great if they can play with all kinds of different people. That way they learn personalities. They learn how to play, you know, around different, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good exercise, particularly when they're younger. Right. So, yeah. True. So I, it, yeah, staying together is important, but I, I, for kids, I would say change partners every week. That's, yeah, that's a good point. You know, just you learn all the different personalities. Yeah, yeah, and figure out how to play a, a certain style of game with certain people. Yeah, right. And then the next person you play with, you have to learn all over again. Right. It's okay. They're okay. learning. I yeah. mean, you know, when are the really critical and important times? You know, for for a team, you know, or or a player, an individual player. You know, when they when they're getting recruited to college it helps to have a partner that you're good with you can compete at a high mm-hmm. level and it's a more coaches will see you because you're going further in the tournament that's right. all important you know and then you know when you're 
When you're making money. When you're pro, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think we think about uh, the qualifier players a lot. They yeah. seem to bounce around. But, yeah. I mean, that's the point, right? They're trying to get to the money. Yeah. They try one get into the main draw. Right. You know, once they do that, then then okay, I got to this Find point. Now let's it's a whole nother game once you get to the main draw, right? It almost seems like at least the last year or two, it's it's harder to get into the main draw than it is to win a couple games in the main draw. Yeah, that's could be fair. You, you know, it, it, it you know maybe not your first game because you're playing the top seed. Right. But once you drop into the losers bracket, you're playing against other guys that maybe got there two years ago or three years right. ago and have been hanging out down there, right? Right, right, right. At the lower end of the mm-hmm. ADP. And so so if you can get through everybody fighting in the in the qualifier into the main draw, you know, then you... you know, now you're, you're warm, Yeah, right? you, have, you have a chance. qualifier team. Yeah, hopefully yeah. you're warm and you're, you're not done. By the end of the next day, yeah. yeah. Eventually you're done, but yeah. I mean done meaning you got enough juice left to play. Yeah. Right. Because if you play four matches in a day, and if you're not in good shape, and they're you know three game matches, you're yeah. you're, you know, it's, it it totally. takes its toll. Because well, you don't train that way. Right. Yeah. When we listen to your guys' stories, <laughs> you sound like a total wimp if you're not if you can't play after four matches. Yeah. I don't think I've played four matches since I've been pro. Yeah. Maybe like twice or once yeah. or twice. Especially I, like with the pace that the world tour plays now. I mean, when we were in China, we played one match a day. So wild. <laughs> AVP, if you stay in the winner's bracket, it's like two matches, one match, two matches. Yeah. And you won the tournament. Yeah. 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 That's wild. Yeah. A little different. It's nice, though. <laughs> yeah. I love it, those buys in yeah. the winner's bracket. It, it's interesting when we were playing in, in the two-day tournaments, if, if, if I won the tournament, I'd take Monday off. If I didn't win, <laughs> Monday, <laughs> it was going hard on Monday, you know, all the way through. I like that. Um, well, you know, it, we were winning quite a bit. So, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Mondays were off. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'd feel bad sometimes if, if it was, a, you know, an easy win. And, you know, what's easy? But if I didn't feel like I was totally torched, I would go out and do something Monday anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. Because, like, nowadays, I feel like we're almost trained to think, like, don't overdo it. Like, yeah, everyone said that. Whether it's a, tra- well, well, a trainer or a weight coach or anyone, and and what that means is, don't overdo what you're not used to. We were actually going to pause there uh, because our episode with Sinjin went uh, a little less than two hours long. We don't want to burden you guys with the two-hour podcast first thing of the new year, so we're going to leave it there. Uh, part two will be next Wednesday here on Sandcast. So appreciate you guys listening uh, throughout all of 2019, all of 2018. And welcome to 2020. Happy New Year's, guys. Uh, We appreciate the heck out of all you listeners, all you sponsors, all of you guests. Cannot do the show without all you guys. So happy New Year. Uh, Appreciate you listening to Sinjin Smith Part 1. And catch us next week on Sandcast. Sinjin Smith Part 1.